Welcome to the annual Valentine's Day special of Canada's Pinball Podcast, the only pinball podcast with a heart. On this episode, I want to talk about what I love about pinball and this hobby. But before I bore you with the mushy stuff, we do have a few news items that we want to talk about. But first, we are going to air some user feedback I got on the show and I want to air that for you right now because you know when you send me an audio file you get to cut the line so let's see what this listener Matt has to say about Canada's pinball podcast and I haven't heard this yet we're going to hear it together for the first time hey buddy a little feedback on 312 but first I want to thank you uh, for being pinball's most polarizing figure I had an incident on Facebook where I was posting for some old parts that I was looking for and someone jumped in and, and kind of slammed my good name. Uh, he felt that since I bought a machine off him and then six months later after putting extensive repairs into it, I sold it at a loss, that I was flipping machines and I didn't disclose it to him. Uh, and it kind of took me off guard because I'm never, I'm not used to this. But you know what? I thought, hey, if Canada can deal with this kind of blowback, what's one guy to me? And uh, I meditated on it, and I feel in a good place. And I'm one with the pinball world again, but for a moment there, it was uh, it was touch and go. Big news, uh, Sherlock Holmes. I think I sent a voicemail before, and that was one of the ideas I had. Not an idea, but a suggestion for a potential theme. Sherlock Holmes is in the public domain. You can use them for free. The only thing, uh, court uh, had decided that the later uh, arcs of Sherlock Holmes, that's the little-known stories where... Him and John Watson actually lived separately. Sherlock had uh, retired to the countryside. Watson had a wife, and they kind of got together for some adventures. Uh, Most people probably couldn't name more than three or four of those stories. They were towards the back end. Those are still copyrighted, but everything else is open to interpretation. And let me tell you, I hope they make it their own. I don't want Robert Downey Jr.'s face on there. I mean, I want to stylize Sherlock Holmes. I want uh, cases to be solved, if you remember who done it. Was that the name of the pinball machine where there was mysteries to be solved and you had to guess for bonus points and, and discover the clues? And let me tell you, if American Pinball is smart, they may get my cash for the first inbox pinball machine. If they can tie it in with technology, again, downloadable content. If every month uh, for the 30 days there was another mystery to solve and it was only available for that month, uh, I would be all in. Even if I don't buy the machine, let me tell you, I'd hit my local pinball parlor that had that during the month so I could try to solve the mystery. I mean, Sherlock Holmes is a great idea, low cost, uh, no license fees or anything. I hope they go to town with it. I hope they innovate with it. And it's good news because I'm a huge Sherlock Holmes fan. So uh, much more excited about this than the Munsters are even Guardians of the Galaxy. Another great podcast. Uh, You know, keep up the good work, bud. All right. Well, there you go. So Sherlock Holmes seems to be something that he is very excited about. So here's... Here's something interesting that I hope American Pinball will do, and I, and, I, and I wonder what you guys think about this. So we know that they've registered for four of these games, so Poker Run, Valkyrie, Sherlock Holmes, and Robin Hood. Now, here's what I think they should do, and, and, and this, I say this with all love and with all respect. I think American Pinball should put up a poll about which one of these games people would, would most like to own, and why not? When you're a company like American Pinball, why not just pull the Pinside community and the pinball people there? Because it's a good sampling of a potential buyer base within pinball, but it also won't spoil the reveal of this game to everyone else who's not on Pinside. And as we heard from Joe Newhart, a huge, huge number of people that actually buy new pinball machines is not on Pinside. But I do think Pinside has a good knack for picking winning themes. And so that is something I would suggest that American Pinball do uh, with these titles is I would use the free focus group that is available to them on a daily basis. All right. Now, speaking of American Pinball, I want to make an announcement. And you know, if you've listened to this show, that I have, you know, I've said a lot of things about their theme choice for Oktoberfest. I've said some stuff about Houdini. I just saw a Houdini went for sale for $5,000. So I'm not the only one who's had some, you know, some questionable statements about 
uh, the decisions that have been made at American Pinball. But I also have been asking for a while uh, for someone from the organization to come on and talk to us about the game and about Oktoberfest and about how things are going over at American Pinball. Now, I'm happy to report and I want to clarify something. Okay, so when I've said I've been inviting people, you know, from American Pinball on the show, all of those invites have not been formal invitations to come on the show. They might be things that I say in passing on a show. And you you may have heard me say that from time to time. Now, I just want to clarify that the last time that Josh Kugler got an official invite was some months ago. And I think he was saying it was like back in July, I asked him to come on the show and talk about uh, American Pinball and what they had going on. So uh, Josh has heard about one of my recent shows where I was asking someone from AP to come on. And I just want to say that Josh has agreed to come on the show and talk about Oktoberfest, to talk about American Pinball. Uh, He's going to come on the show after Texas Pinball Festival, which I think makes total sense. The game is going to be there. Uh, The final production version of the game will be there. And I, I look forward to having Josh on the show and back on the show. And so what I would ask of you, the listener, Uh, If you have any questions that you would like me to ask Josh uh, when he comes on, please email me at canadapinball at gmail.com. You may want to wait until we see more of the final game uh, at Texas before emailing me your questions, Uh, but I think this is going to be a really good interview, and I'm really happy that Josh has accepted uh, the, the invite to come back on the show. Okay, so Josh, thank you. We look forward to it, and we look forward to talking about Oktoberfest and and where the final game nets out and and what the future holds for American Pinball. All right, so I think that's that's really good news. Something else that I've just been sort of thinking about a lot, and for those of you who listen to this show, you know this is sort of what I do on this show. I, I don't really have a ton of show notes. I don't really go down a list of things I want to talk about. Same thing is true when I interview people. I, I don't like to sort of pre-plan everything I'm going to do or say. In fact, I I do very little planning because I want it to sound organic and I kind of want to talk to you in a more conversational way that that sounds natural and feels natural. And I I think it is that way because it is natural. There is no planning. Uh, So something I've just been thinking a lot about is my critique of games uh, and at what point should I be giving my opinion about a game? And, and by that, I mean, how much should I play a game before I'm able to give you what I think is a somewhat educated assessment on how a game plays? And I think no other title has sort of uh, be, been the, the focal point of my ability or inability to properly assess a game based upon the number of times I've played it. And that game is Pirates of the Caribbean. And the reason why I say that I don't really think I've seen a pin where in the owner's thread, I mean, I mean, people are saying this is the greatest of all time. They're calling it a goat, like G-O-A-T. And the owners of this pin are, are fawning over it in a way that I haven't really seen many owners of other pins universally just praise it. I mean, normally with most new releases, even new owners... We see a lot more people on the fence. We see people selling the game immediately after buying it. Uh, but people have been getting pirates for the last few weeks, and we don't see many of them coming up for quick sale. Uh, but it's also because people have been waiting a long time to get it. But I'm here to say that I do want to take a deeper look at this game. And I do want to experience this game in, in, and feel what you guys are feeling. Because don't get me wrong. Do not think that I wake up every day and I've made up my mind on any pin. And I, and I think you saw that with Batman 66. And I, I know some other people out there uh, with podcasts have called me a hypocrite for slamming Batman and then buying Batman. But I think what I did around Batman is still very reflective what most of us go through. And that these machines, like it or not, they go through life stages. They evolve. Some games on day one are great. Some games take a while to become great. Some games never become great. 
usually what never really happens is a game gets worse, right? That's like the one scenario that never occurs where a game was great on release and then they kept updating it with codes and made it worse. Um, So that being said, I do want to take a closer look at Pirates and I think I've played it a bunch of times. I still think that as a... Uh, an accessible game from day one for someone and understanding all the different things going on in the game, it's not very easy. But what have I been saying for a few months now? I really want someone who understands and knows pirates to simply walk me through what they know about the game, articulate to me why the game is so good, and help me form a new opinion about Pirates of the Caribbean. And I think I'm I'm very open-minded in this hobby. I I hope you feel that way. And so I'm happy to report that I got an email from someone named Sergey Sicular, um, Sergey, S-E-R-G-E, and he says, longtime listener and fan, I'll pick up the gauntlet and prove to you why Jersey Jack Pinball Pirates of the Caribbean is a serious contender for G-O-A-T, greatest of all time, or at least in the mix. And I say that fully admitting the theme holds it back. Yet despite that, it's magnificent. I can talk by phone whenever, but I'll be in New York City March 2nd through the 7th and can show you in person at Sunshine why I think it's so damn great. Let's do it. Well, I am here to tell you that I happily accept this offer and I can't wait. I can't wait. I, I, I can't wait to play this game with someone who can really show me the way to dive into it properly. And I'm excited. I look forward to it. I think it's a game that I've just never been able to quite click with uh, on any of the streams. And I've played it in person and I've been a little bit confused and bewildered when I play it. And, and I'm looking forward to this. And, and I, I thank you for reaching out. So, ladies and gentlemen, in a, about a little less than a month, I will be playing it in New York City. And we can actually maybe go to Stone Street where it's actually in that upstairs bar where nobody goes. So we can actually have the game all to ourselves because Sunshine kind of gets a little crowded. Uh, but maybe I'll play hooky from work and, and go play with him during the day. Don't tell my boss. All right. So that is going to happen. So I look forward uh, to to doing that very soon. Now, look, as you heard in my podcast yesterday, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean is heading for a halt of production. And so curiously enough, uh, today on Valentine's Day, the game will be streamed by no other than Dead Flips, Jack Danger, the man of love himself, Uh, With Eric and the Jersey Jack crew, he is going to stream Pirates of the Caribbean from the Jersey Jack factory. Now, that's awesome. So you get to see uh, the latest game, the latest code, everything with Jack Danger. Uh, Interesting, you know, look, I I just got to say it. Like, Jack is like all over Stern's website wearing Stern's apparel. And he's also going into Jersey Jack pinball as well. And so what, what's really interesting about all of this is, come on, you know Jack is like totally like 90% like a stern guy. I know he loves all pinball, but, but once you cross over and start doing apparel shots for a pinball manufacturer, you have to question the ability to be objective about all manufacturers. But to Jack's defense, and this is Jack's whole thing, Jack doesn't really do like reviews per se. What Jack does is he gives every manufacturer a chance to show their game to his audience, and he jumps in and he plays with the team that makes the game. And I think that's much different than expecting like a review from Jack Danger. I think what we always get, and he does it so damn well, we get like a first look from a game. We get the design team telling their story about what went into that game with Jack Danger. And I do enjoy Dead Flip. I'm not gonna lie, they got my vote for the Twippy for best streaming pinball. Uh, And I think it's gonna be, you know, look, it's, We've seen Pirates stream so many times, but I think the reason why they are doing this now is I do think 
they're they're really going to be in a final push to sell as many of these games as they can uh, before uh, we hit March. And I'm already seeing an email from Joe at Pinball Star. I'm already seeing the messaging go out that no more are going to be made. This is it. Get them while supplies last. Now, um, the real question will be, do we think they're going to turn the line back on? I don't know. I don't know. There, there's nothing to say they're not going to. So if you're like, I got to buy now because I'll never have a chance to buy it again. They haven't said that. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, activate on that assumption because that might not be true. All right. So what else is going on? Let me read a few more of your notes. And then I'm, I don't want to tell you on Valentine's Day why I love pinball so much because I do hear every once in a while people question my passion in this hobby because because I got nothing better to do than wake up and record 314 freaking podcasts about pinball. I do it because I really don't care, right? This is, this is just like something that kills the time. All right, I got an email from David Paz. Now, he, he wrote about there is a Diamond Edition Beatles for sale on Pinside. And I think they're both from a distributor. Uh, but what was interesting, let's see, is the pricing of them. Now, this person is selling a Diamond Edition Beatles machine uh, for $14,999. $14,999. Now, that is a huge, huge price reduction from what the game has been selling for uh, by some other distributors who were really testing the waters at twenty-five and twenty thousand dollars. Now, so the thing is, the game is out of box and it has about fifty plays on it, but it looks like it just came out of the box. He said, and he's also selling the same distributor is selling a platinum edition, uh, which I believe I want to say is eight thousand or nine thousand dollars. Let me see. I'm just I'm opening up the link right now. Do 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 for ninety five hundred dollars or best offer. Okay, so these are like those are significant price savings off of the new in box games. And here's the thing: they haven't sold. So if you bought a Beatles Diamond Edition for twenty five thousand um, dollars, you might want to go outside and just kick your own ass because you just blew ten grand. <laughs> on a game that really the only difference is a little plaque on the apron. I think most people looked at those high prices and kind of laughed at them. I think over time, uh, Beatles sales will not increase, and I don't think the games are going to hold value. Now, that doesn't mean I think they're going to plummet. I just think Beatles games will depreciate like every other game does depreciate. And the, the, you know, that's just the way it's going to be. And because these games started at a higher price point, they're absolutely going to depreciate much quicker. Now, it's still crazy that a Beatles diamond is $15,000. Let's not fool ourselves, people. That, that is still an insane amount of money. There, there is no way. Why, I mean, that's $6,000 more than a Pirates of the Caribbean. And look what's in a Beatles and look what's in Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, I think Beatles will go down as a fun game that was just always significantly overpriced and was always targeting a sort of strange collector because I don't think the Beatles collectors are going to gobble this up like they think. And we definitely know the pinball collectors, even though the game is fun, are not going to see that kind of price point value fun uh, as much as Zach Sharp would love us to believe that, you know, if a game is fun, it doesn't matter what it costs. Actually, it does. Okay. All right. I got an email from Alex Boz and he says, Stern's best pinball machine since 2010, episode 312 discussion. He said, hi, Kaneda. On your latest podcast, episode 312, you discussed what was Stern's best pinball machine since 2010. Funny enough, we ran a poll last April on our site, astrogamer.com, that asked the exact same questions. Here are the results. So I'm going to open up his tab here. He said, you may be surprised, or maybe you won't, with the result, but they weren't too far away from what you said, with the exception of Star Trek and Tron Legacy being in the top four. Okay, let me see what his poll results were. I can only guess that it must have been Metallica. Let's see. The winners are 
The best Stern pinball machines since 2010 are The Walking Dead. And let's see. The Walking Dead was number one. Okay. Then we had Star Trek, Tron Legacy, and tied for third. Um, let's see. Do, 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 Tron Legacy, the, the two machines that would have featured in the top three ended up being. Okay. Tied for fourth. Sorry. So it's The Walking Dead, Star Trek, Tron Legacy. And Metallica and Ghostbusters tied with 9% of the vote. Okay, and these are the best turns since 2010. All right, well, look, that's one polling. <clears throat> um, it must have been all the Ghostbusters fans. How can you, how can you seriously uh, compare Ghostbusters to Metallica in terms of best pinball machines? Now, as far as best pinball theme, uh, Ghostbusters by far. But shooting a Ghostbusters compared to shooting a Metallica, mm, I, I can't. I can't even like put the two in the same sentence, even though I just did. Um, so that's interesting. So he then, let me see what else he says. He says, do, uh, do, do, do. Please keep in mind that this poll was done before any new updates on certain games like Batman 66, which may have propelled it higher on the list with its latest code. Uh, but the issue with Batman 66 is accessibility to experience play it so it may never feature high on the list obviously if we had asked for people's favorite stern machine since early 2000s then i would assume lord of the rings would have featured highly anyway i thought i'd share with you and your audience kind regards alex alex thank you so much really interesting poll uh, and i think this also shows when you do any polling in pinball you will get different results on different days on different sites every day i, I there is there is absolutely hardly any consistency across the board about who makes the best games, what are the best games, what are the best games in the last 10 years. You will get a variety of responses. Some guy might wake up and have blown up his Walking Dead last night and have the best horde mode ever and just votes for that. The next day, the guy might uh, drain the ball for 10 hours who has a Walking Dead somewhere else in America and he... He votes it poorly. You know, you just never know. Everyone's machines are set up differently. Everyone is a different skill level. It's really interesting because pinball, it's kind of like, I'll jump ahead. It's kind of what I love about it is everyone has a different experience with it and everyone's opinion about it is somewhat interesting because of that. But I'll talk more about that later. So Alex, thank you so much. Uh, I got an email from Bill Sorrow. Bill says, podcast response. He says, hi, Chris. I was just catching up on the recent podcast and I wanted to write in about a couple of things. Number one, the Quinn Johnson interview. Nice guy, but don't you think that Deep Root seems like a total pipe dream? Did you ever notice that everyone that's ever interviewed talks about how happy they are there? This company hasn't produced a single pin and talks about the 750K going out every month and some people actually think that this is okay. Sure, it's okay because they're not taking any money. But if you look at how disruptive it is to the industry as a whole, it's pretty crappy. I know pinball friends that aren't buying due to the speculation of this company. Do you know why DeepRoot is great to work for? Because there's no pressure to truly perform and actually produce a product for a deadline. There's absolutely no pressure. Of course, it's a great place to work. My feeling is that they had a deadline for the infamous five days of deep root. And the amazing thing is they trash talked and didn't back it up. You'd think that they would have scrambled to bring something to the table at TPF. What a joke. All right, let me respond to this Bill's first thing. Then I'll read Bill's second point. So, Bill, you raise an interesting point, and I, I think you're raising a few things that we can discuss right now quickly. One is, what, what, of course, everyone loves going in and playing around with the world of building pinball machines without a lot of pressure. Uh, I don't think you know or I know uh, the kind of environment it's like to work over there. Uh, who knows what the pressures are on the people making these games? It doesn't sound like, to your point, it doesn't sound like they are under a tremendous deal of pressure, uh, especially because if you think about the deadlines that they've 
articulated TPF was supposed to be the five days of deep root. That can't, that's going to come and go. Uh, the real deadline, though, because there's a legally binding contract, is for that June date to get the, the John Papadou customers satiated. But for the most part, yes, they've been sort of writing humongous checks with what they've been saying. None of them have been cashed. Um, as far as friends of yours, uh, not holding out to see what Deep Root has in store. I don't think you can blame them for that. I, I don't think you can say Deep Root is doing damage to the hobby because they're making people wait to see what they have cooking. I don't think that's fair, right? Because your friends who are into pinball, they're grown men who can do whatever they want with their money. And if Deep Root has made them uh, curious and excited to see what they have coming, isn't that like a good thing? Isn't that what marketing is supposed to do is make you wait to see uh, what that company is going to deliver? Uh, and if your friends you know, rush out to buy something that's available now, sure, that might help a Stern or a Spooky or a Jersey Jack pinball, but your friends don't wake up and have any obligation to give their money to anybody until they, are, they want to. And so I think that's kind of like the new climate of pinball nowadays as well, because there's so many options. Uh, I, you know, like why not wait and see what happens? Eventually, they're going to have to deliver. The other thing I think everybody is waking up to is every single game that you want will become available sometime soon in very good condition, if not new in box, for less than it was MSRP. Hence, you can go get a Houdini which a lot of people swear by that it's a good game. You can go get one for $5,000. Guess what? You just saved yourself 2,500 bucks because you waited on the game. So I think it's not fair to say that Deep Root is doing any damage to the hobby. And they haven't taken anyone's money either. So there's that part. Uh, but yes, yes, I do think eventually they're going to have to have some deadlines and have to deliver. And here's what I keep hearing. They know that. Like they know they need to deliver. And they know with all of what they've been saying, all the hyperbole, that they have to deliver a home run. Like It's like I've been saying, these guys are either going to hit it out of the park or be the laughing stock of the pinball world. They know that. They listen to this podcast. They know what they need to deliver. And I'm hearing that the bats are big and the ball is small, if that even makes any sense. Uh, reminds me of Baseball Stars 2 and Neo Geo when you power up. Anyway, the second thing Bill says is, too, I listened to the last podcast and you talked about how some of the other podcasts trash talk about you. Look, grow some balls and quit being so nice. These guys haven't been cool for a while, and the truth of the matter is their podcast sucks. You're trying too hard to make friends with these guys Move on and time to dish some of their own medicine out. Your podcast is by far the best out there, so keep up the good work. And if you don't win the Twippy, then it's definitely rigged later, Bill. Well, Bill, first of all, um, I, I don't, I, I, it's not me being too nice. I, I, I literally don't wake up and are like, your podcast sucks. I, I don't think that about any of the other pinball podcasts out there. In fact, I think that when you hold a mic in your hand, like I'm holding a mic in my hand right now, and you are filling airtime talking about pinball, a topic that doesn't have tons of new news, it's not that easy. So I do give every pinball podcast a lot of credit for doing what they do. We all do it differently. I know people have said a lot of nasty things about me, lots of nasty things, but you have to remember, I'm used to it. For a few years now, I've been called every name in the book by every, you know, every forum that covers arcade and pinball. I have been called a sociopath, a narcissistic asshole, a terrible marketer, everything you can think about. Uh, and I've sort of just like let the arrows stick in my back and I just keep doing the show I enjoy doing. And I, and I enjoy doing this for you guys every week. And I don't let it deter me because I know that if I just take the high road and do my show and don't get bogged down with that kind of negativity, I think you enjoy the show more. Uh, and I think those people that get stuck in the negativity of talking smack about my show, I think we're seeing already what's happening to them is they're losing the enjoyment in doing it. And ultimately, I think it's going to backfire. I think you're going to see, 
I think you're going to see a new era in pinball podcasting where the shows that uh, can, you know, you know, sort of support each other and get along with each other and, and like guys doing each other's shows and, and, and they're actually being the friendly banter. I think you're going to see, those are going to be the shows that people want to tune into, uh, you know, each week. I, I think you're going to start to see people get fed up with, with a lot of the saltiness, a lot of the negativity. And I'm, I'm just saying, like, I'm just not going to do it. If you think my show's better, great. If you think other shows sucks, that's, that's on you. Um, I'm happy that you listen to my show, but I won't engage in that kind of mudslinging, even if it gets thrown on my face every single day by, by other shows. All right. I think that's fair. All right. Let's go on to Let's see the next note I got. I sort of like, you know, I love you guys so much that I'm reading so much of your feedback. It's also because we all know the reality of what's going on in pinball right now where there's not a ton, a ton of news in the pinball world. All right. So I got an email from a Don, I don't, Don F. Don, I don't want to mispronounce your last name. And he said, what was the song uh, at the beginning of episode 312 of Canada's Pinball Podcast? Well, the song at the beginning, the the I Don't Know How Can Heaven Love Me, that song is from uh, Sarah Brightman, and it's a great song. Type in Sarah Brightman, How Can Heaven Love Me. I actually just saw Sarah at Radio City Music Hall. If you're not aware who she is, she is the original voice of Christine Daae in the most successful musical of all time, The Phantom of the Opera. All right. Now, I want to end on one more email, and this is a... This is an important one because I, I, I wanted to read this out. I think I might have missed reading this out on the last couple episodes. So this is from Jeff Patterson. For, so for those of you who know, Jeff is the webmaster, moderator, creator, whatever you'll call him of This Week in Pinball. Uh, I'm sure you guys know of the site. If you don't, you should definitely be on This Week in Pinball. And so a few episodes ago, I read in a, user's, a few users' feedback on on Jeff's whole system of being able to donate money to the site to get access to pinball information. I just wanna, he wanted me to read a statement about that and, and I'm glad he did and I wanna read it for you now on the air. So he says, hey Chris, just responding to a few of the things you mentioned on your recent podcast. You mentioned why don't I just come out and ask for donations? But I've been doing that since last June when I started the monthly giveaways on This Week in Pinball. I was hoping to get about 5% of people that read the site to contribute monthly, $1, $5, whatever, to get automatic entries into the giveaway we do each month. But after seven months, I'm still not close to 1%. On the $20 a month rumors, info, speculation, I don't break NDAs. I don't share anything that things um, I've discussed with a manufacturer as all of that is assumed private. I don't share any info that someone has asked me to keep private or was shared with me in confidence. I do know I have to be very careful on how I handle information, which has been the case since the beginning with This Week in Pinball. There are different types of info I work with, stuff that is shared in private, in confidence, which will not be shared, obviously, and never has been, then rumors and speculation that people message me about often and are fine with me sharing. For example, I have three different people um, saying they are pretty sure Munster's Premium has a lower play field. I won't post it on This Week in Pinball until I get some more solid info, but I'll include it with the rumors. We're hearing it might have a lower play field or sharing what I've heard about the millions of rumors going around on Pinside. Yes, $20 a month is a lot, but there are people that are interested in that type of stuff. I am one of them. Anyway, it is one of the ways I'm trying to keep This Week in Pinball going. Keep up the good work, and thanks for not bashing the Twippies. Jeff. All right. So, I mean, there you have it. Look, Jeff, he does a lot of work on the site. It requires a lot to keep that site going. And I've, as I've said on this podcast before, I really hope you guys do donate to Jeff and This Week in Pinball. Uh, so he doesn't have to resort to selling you rumors of lower play fields on games like the Munsters for 20 a month. I think you should just give uh, because of all the hard work he does. And it is, an, it is an interesting phenomenon, the whole sort of GoFundMe, crowdsourcing, Patreon era. <laughs> Man, I'm going to get it right one of these days. Mr. Greg Colton, uh, but it, 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 you know, look, it, it, it's hard to do a lot of work 
and get compensated for it and spend so much time doing it when it does require uh, a lot of work. And, and again, I think it takes a lot more work to do that than to put on a headset. So if you can, I would love for you guys to show your love for Jeff. And, and even if just a dollar a month recurring, uh, that would help out tremendously, it seems. So, all right, it's Valentine's Day. Why do I love pinball? And then I'll leave you guys to your evenings of spending time with your wives while you'd rather be playing pinball uh, or in today's modern world, spending time with your partner or even more modern, spending time with, you know, your as a single father. Like, wait, it's, you know, I live in, yeah, first of all, you know, this is true and, I, and, I, and I'm going to be fully transparent. One of the reasons I love pinball and I love this hobby is that I work in a profession where I am inundated on a daily basis with requests from either clients or coworkers. I'm inundated uh, with requests to come up with ideas, to create things that people will be passionate about, to create things that people will want to engage with. And, and, I'm, and I'm, test, I'm tested on a daily basis to bring those kinds of ideas to clients uh, so they can do stuff that will get people to care and engage with these brands, many of which have been around for decades. And it's not easy. And what I love about pinball is you don't need to manufacture that kind of engagement. You don't need to create it out of thin air. It naturally exists. All of us. We all are drawn to pinball. We all love playing it. And we're all connected to it. And we all have different opinions about it. We all experience the hobby differently. But what I love about hobbies like this is it's not fake, right? It's just, it's just there, is, there is absolutely no benefit to someone waking up and saying, you know what, honey, I'm just going to start spending a few hours a day thinking about pinball. Like, there's absolutely no upside to that unless you get a lot of enjoyment from that. And what I love about it is when we all connect and we all collide in our different ways, some of you it's on the forum, some of you guys it's going over your friends' houses, some of you guys it's going to shows, you know, barcades. When we all connect, it's awesome because it's like a collision of what makes us happy. It's like two stars colliding, uh, you know, based around like a, a thing that we both mutually love. And, and I, I say this, as I get older, I'm, and I'm 42 years old, and I was telling this to Brenda this morning, and I, you know, I wake up, and sometimes I just feel like I don't really have a lot of friends as I get older that share my interests. And I say this because I live in New York City, and I do have friends. They, don't get me wrong. I'm not like some depressed loner. I do have friends, but I, I don't have like a best friend in New York City that's into pinball. Uh, my best guy friend in the city could care less about pinball. Nobody I work with really cares about it. I can't talk to anybody. Not one person in my company is into pinball, wants to talk about pinball with me. And I think that's what I've learned in life is as you get older and you have things that make you really happy, you sort of want to surround yourself with people that are also uh, brought joy by that thing. And it just so happens that we're all connected by this sort of ridiculously overpriced toy that should have died 30 years ago, right? There's absolutely no reason why pinball should still be around in a modern world. A 300-pound box of blinking lights with a steel ball bouncing around inside it, it should be dead. If 30, 40 years ago, as you look at where innovation and technology was headed and, and you were saying, well, what's going to survive into the year 2019? I would be damned if anyone would say, well, pinball, you know, that's going to make it. It's it, that's that thing won't go away. And people are going to really not want to go play pinball. They're really going to want to put these enormously heavy, cumbersome, overly priced toys in their homes. I think that's the future of pinball. Nobody would have called that. But here we are. And we're in 2019. And there are more pinball manufacturers around today than ever before. You know, and that's what I really love about this hobby is it's it's so much more fun to me than arcade collecting was because in the arcade collecting world, everyone's always looking back. You're looking towards games of yesteryears and you start to like overly glorify these games that came out so long ago and then you play them and you're like, they're not, they weren't really that good. And, and that's what's amazing to me about arcade games is not only like 
does time not age them very well for the most part like you go get on a 720 skateboard arcade game and you tell me that that you're having fun because you're not like it just it just you were when you were a kid the stuff was super cool uh but you get bored of it quickly and and it's not new you're just like studying the code what i love about pinball is not only do we have new games uh, but we have like the games are always different. Like there's randomness to the game itself that just makes it so freaking awesome and so addictive. Uh, but I will say this: this podcast would not exist if we didn't have new games. And I think that's what makes this hobby really exciting to me as well. Is it's not dead. It's not dead by any means. And because there's so much newness in it. And there's new people coming into the hobby every year. There's new games coming out every year. It just makes every few months exciting. Because if if we were to just stop all new game releases today, and we just said, look, Chris, as of February 14th, 2019, no new pinball games will ever come out. And all we're left with is what's come out previously. Over time, it would start to get boring. You would start to... Uh, you know, you, you know, you you just start to lose a little bit of interest uh, because these games, as much fun as they are, uh, they go through life cycles of enjoyment with us, and and that's what's great is you can now rotate so many games through your collection, and and always spend you know a good amount of time with any machine, and then know that the, you know by the time you wake up a year from now. There's going to be four or five new machines that you probably haven't owned yet that you could potentially buy. And I think that's that really keeps the hobby alive and well as we head into the future. You know, and what I love to, I love the passion of the people in this hobby. And I know sometimes we, we butt heads a lot. And I'm reading this in the Stern thread and about Munsters and everyone's got a different opinion. But here's what I love. Here's what I love. And, and I mean this with all sincerity. I love that you crazy mofos, you have spirit, right? You have a point of view and you share it and you don't hold back. It is not a community of passive aggressive wimps. It is the complete opposite. It is people just fire from the hip exactly how they feel about something and they don't hold back. Even when they probably should at times, they don't. And I'll tell you why I appreciate that more than anything is I think we live in a world nowadays where we get nothing but the opposite of that in our careers, in our relationships with people, in our families. We, we have turned into a society of passive, aggressive, you know, immediately, you know, you need to be immediately entertained or, or, or like appeased, like little spoiled babies. Like literally, I work with people all day long and I'm like, just tell me what the fuck you really mean, right? And it's really hard to get that out of people. But believe me, if there's one thing you never have to ask someone on pin side, it's tell me what you really mean. Oh, they'll tell you what they really mean of the pin and then they'll tell you what they really mean of you. Uh, And so that's where it gets, you know, maybe too much information. But I appreciate that. Because I do think society is getting to a place where, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're just, we're no longer saying like what we really feel and think. And I think what that leads to, and I am, I'm going to be honest, what that leads to in my industry is so much wasted time, so much swirl, so many pointless meetings, so many stupid emails that you don't have to send if people would just tell you the fucking truth or at least try to get to the truth or think critically about something. And so this is why I do this podcast because I spend over eight hours a day in an environment where I put up with a lot of that. And I know a lot of you do too. And so when you're in your car driving to work or when you're you're, you're sort of winding down for the night, you can put on a stupid pinball podcast led to you by a dude from New York City who only has one machine who, has, who apparently doesn't put enough time on any machines to talk intelligently about anything, you can put on my dumbass who mistakenly told you all a few podcasts ago that it was Johnny Depp who was in Sherlock Holmes when it was really Robert Downey Jr. You know, So I make stupid mistakes like that so I don't get everything right. But what I think I do get right, I think I understand why you love pinball so much. And I think I understand why on a weekly basis you just can't get enough talk about pinball 
because it's fucking awesome. It literally is awesome in a digital world to have this analog thing that should be obsolete for decades is still alive and that it's our little thing. And that's the other thing. You know, we're, we're pushing society to where like everyone has to get along. Everyone has to respect every single person and everyone has to like change everything to be like, you know, like, I mean, I hate to say it. It's like this like socialistic existence nowadays where we, we can't just have our little corners and our own little private areas where like only we get to like enjoy it. And maybe that sounds really weird. And I don't mean it like in some stupid sexist or racist, racist way. What I mean is, is that when you love pinball, you are in a very unique and exclusive club and you get to have fun that other people just don't understand. And the older I get, the more I realize how important it is as we get older to hold on to the hobbies and the things we love and the thing things that make us feel like children and make us get giddy inside. We all get giddy when new pinball machines are coming out. We all going to think we all think it's going to be the greatest pinball ever, and then we all bitch about the code the next day, then we bitch about the you know, the resale value two days from then. Then we bitch about the fact that like they added another 100 LEs, like all the things we complain about. But ultimately, if you were to take the rattles away from us, because we're all a little bit of a pin side baby on some level, if you took away the rattles, you took away the new games from us, um, then we would really be in mourning. But we don't really have that much to mourn about these days. And that's why I love pinball. It's why I love doing this podcast. It's why I love other people doing pinball podcasts. It's why I love we have all these manufacturers out there trying to make better pinball machines. I do think we have a long way to go. I don't love all pinball. I don't think most new pinball is that great. For the money, I don't think it's there. I think they know that. I think you know that. I think there is a level of universal dissatisfaction with where these games are at, with where the pricing is at, and I think it's going to change soon. I do. I do think we're going to start to see some really incredible games across the board from a variety of manufacturers, and I think it is going to be the best two years we've seen in pinball in a long time. Uh, not only are we going to have all those incredible games over the last 10 years to go by, most of them for lesser than they were new, but we're also going to get about, you know, over the next two years, we're going to get about 10 to 12 new games that are, I think are going to be probably some of the coolest pinball machines we've ever seen because the bar keeps getting raised every year. And I like that. I'm excited by that. I love it when companies like Deep Root are like, we're going we're gonna to be the best ever. And the bar is high already. So it's like, cool. Like they're either going to do it or they're not going to do it. There's not going to be a middle ground. All right. And I love the fact that all of you guys out there who listen to this podcast just come back for more. Sometimes I'm like, man, am, am I doing it too much? Am I saying too much? Am I letting you in too much? Do I need more guests on? Uh, and and time and time again, it always makes me happy that you know without constant guests, without any other distractions, Canada's Pinball Podcast, which is it's me, it's it's my show, it's 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 my thoughts on the hobby. Uh, I think that uh, seeing you guys return every week uh, just makes me happy because it says to me that we're at least doing something here and having a conversation about this hobby uh, that is important. And it has, it has changed the pinball culture in some ways. There are some companies that are not around, I think, because we simply had conversations about them that brought things to light that they didn't want. And they probably would have been around for a lot longer and, and lost a lot more of your money if, if we didn't have these conversations and bring them to the forefront. But we're not about that. We're not here to take down companies. Uh, we are here to talk about pinball, to talk about what you're excited about in pinball, and to call it like it is. And and I love doing it. I love doing it on a weekly basis. I love that I have a beautiful wife who allows me to do it. Brenda's in the other room with Bubba right now. And it, it, without her support, this show doesn't happen either. And I don't get pressure from her to, to, to hang it up, to stop doing it. She knows how important it is to me to have this outlet. Because as I was saying, you know, I love my job, but 
again, I, I like living in this little world with you guys. We, we live in this tiny little universe uh, that, that, that only we know. And the, way, and the things we know about, we, we could talk for hours, all of us, at shows over beers, and we could geek out for hours about pinball. How, you know, I always feel bad for people when, you know, I go to dinner in New York City and you should hear the conversation. It's like, it's like people are just talking about all these things happening in the world where A, they're doing nothing about it, B, they're not really passionate about it, and C, they're just doing it because it's like the thing to do. It's the trendy thing to talk about, to just always complain about the way the world is going and, and, and doom and gloom and everything's terrible. And, and, you know, I, all these people, again, like New York city always makes me laugh because this is the fucking bubble. I always tell people that New York city mentality is the bubble. And they're always complaining about how close minded everyone else in America is, but it's actually like, it's here where the close mindedness is really the worst. And, and I think I was raised by parents who grew up in the city who made everything they ever had, you know, hardworking, they instilled it in their children, work hard, you know, create something of value and the money will come. And I love them so much. And, 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 you know, living in the city and hearing all these people always complaining about the same shit. And in my head, as they're bitching over, you know, their expensive mimosas, they're complaining that like white privileged people don't understand the way the world works. And yet there they are with their, you know, hundred dollar brunches and, and their designer, everything. And I'm just thinking to myself, Man, I wonder if Willy Wonka's next. I wonder if like Toy Story is going to have video clips in it and it makes me smile. And I thank you on this Valentine's Day. All the love from Canada to you. I hope you guys have an amazing day. I hope you learn to sort of let some of the anger and some of the drama that's been festering, you know, on the on the Pinside forums and I hope all the other podcasts out there that, you know, everyone can just like let it go, man. Let it go. Let's all give love a chance and we can still shoot from the hip and we can still be honest about this, but we can do it in a way that that doesn't make us lose our love of this hobby. Okay? Everyone, happy Valentine's Day. We'll talk to you real soon. Shut up.